podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash internet for details. Wednesday Bolton and today there's three of us on the Wednesday Club. It is me, John and Paddy. Paddy, what what, what, what have you done? Who have you annoyed to get put on a Wednesday? <laughs> uh, Declan Lawrence and Natasha, obviously. <laughs> uh, the three of them are sick of me. Um, I've been transferred. I've been exiled to the Wednesday bullet and I'll be moving my way through the week as the, the week's go on. Um I no pleasure to be on. Um something different, uh, different people. Glad to talk to you. No, no problem. It's great to get your opinion on all things Celtic Paddy, and that's what we're going to do. I've got I've got a question first, and it's a World Cup related question. Paddy, John's already had prior knowledge to this, so I'll let John me and John answer this first while you have a wee think about it. So the question, and I want the, I want the viewers, the comment, commenters to answer this as well, um, as they like and subscribe. Now, who is the best Celt you've ever seen that has never played in a World Cup, even though his country has qualified? So, John, I'll go to you first because I can that you had a wee bit of... It's, uh, no, it was a good question and I had to think about it and I'm glad I'm not in Paddy's situation just now because <laughs> <laughs> I had the benefit of Google because I had to see it. My, my memory's terrible at the best of times. And I was, I, I started thinking, would it be Lubo? And I didn't realise that when Lubo played, obviously he played a lot um, uh, and he played for Czechoslovakia in the 90 World Cup finals. But I didn't realise he was sent off against Germany in the quarter-final in Milan, and Germany won 1-0. So, uh, yeah, that was, that was something I hadn't realised. So there you go. But no, the, the one that I came up with, the, there was only two that were straight in the top of my head, and um, the, the other one was Di Canio. So that was a, an easy one, because uh, Di Canio never really made it at international level. Um, and he was a, a tremendous player, um, you know, uh, despite the fact he's a bit of a Nazi. So, uh, so uh, he's, 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 he was a very decent player. Uh, so I would say probably De Canio. If, um, you know, I know some of the some people here are going to be digging deep now. There's some people with really great <laughs> memories in the comments. I'm sure that are coming up with some crackers. But uh, that was the two easy ones. I thought straight away, um, and uh, I was wrong about Lubo. The one that I thought when uh, I made up this question in my own mind was Chris Sutton. And the reason I picked Chris Sutton is because peak Sutton for me was 2000 to 2002. England went to the South Korea World Cup in 2002. And the forward options for that tournament, and I did have to Google this, were Michael Owen, Robbie Fowler, who was then at Leeds United, Teddy Sheringham and Darius Vassell. Surely Pete Chris Sutton could have got into that squad. 
if Big Sutton hadn't fell out with the English FA right enough, eh? but when you look at the strikers that they actually took, Sutton at that time should have walked into that squad. Oh, they had some, they made some appalling selection choices over the years, especially up front. I remember they were playing Heskey and boys like that as well at one point. I mean, Jesus. I think Heskey was, was one as well. I just, I think I stopped when I got to Vasselli. I went on. Oh, um, my point, my, my point is proven when Darius Vassell is named in an England squad. But I mean, they, they they just couldn't seem to get it right. Selection has been there, has always been the, the, the biggest issue with them um, getting it right selection wise and trying to force square pegs into round holes. And you know, uh, you know, long may it continue. <laughs> right, Paddy, you've had a wee bit of time now, mate. I mean, I've only got three World Cups to choose from, and it's quite difficult. So, uh, oh, I mean, dig. There's a dig. Nah, no, I'm very big. So, going back to 2014, um, I mean, this is this is a laugh because I don't think either of them really deserve to be in the squad. But I suppose Van Dyke and Chris Commons are the only two for 2014 that really stand out. Um, 2018, if you can count him as a Celtic player, Dembele, probably for mm-hmm. France. Um, maybe Sinclair with England, Scott Sinclair. Um, beyond that, you know, you're you're really struggling. And then probably this year, Kyogo and Hatati. You know, mm. I'd probably put, I'd probably say Hatati this year. Um, you know, Musa was good in 2018, though. So it's, I think it's probably between those three: Hatati, Kyogo, and Dembele. Um, <laughs> luckily, I've only got three to choose from. Obviously, going back to like 2002, 1998, you get a played for players to choose from that played for Celtic in that period that just probably 2002 especially under Martin O'Neill you've got so many good players that just you know maybe marginally missed out Gary, uh, Gary Melrose comes in Alan Thompson Alan Thompson also got a, I think he's the only Englishman to get a cap for England while playing for Celtic obviously yeah, you need to be I think you need to be English to get a cap to play for England right enough Ken it's <laughs> so daft uh, but I'll I, I do think he's got that like title that he's the only guy ever to get a cap for England while playing for Celtic. I think Thompson, 2004, the Euros in 2004, Thompson could have made a decent attempt to get into that squad. Also 2002 as well, eh? but at that point you've got like Lampard, Gerrard, Scholes who are still kicking about. Eh? But yeah. it's, it's quite hungry. Uh, I, I did think about Alan Thompson actually. Uh, when when I was trying to <laughs> Brown Warrior comes in to actually remind us that Scotland weren't there any of them. Aye, that that's true. That's true. Uh, Brown Warrior. I'm sorry, mate. I'm not picking on you, Paddy McCourt. There you go. McCourt could have. No, wait a minute. Paddy, when Paddy McCourt was playing for Celtic Northern. Uh, Northern Ireland never got to no. in any World no. Cup. So. Drew, so. Drew turns it round. Jorinho is the best Celtic player I've seen at a World Cup that never played for Celtic. <laughs> the other way around. No, 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 no. <laughs> well, have we focus on the World Cup, Paddy? What we did since me and John were quite lazy and we couldn't couldn't work about we couldn't work out what we were going to talk about during this World Cup time. We went to that bastion of truth and honesty, which is tough. <laughs> uh, and in light of going anywhere else and we asked for some questions so we're going to discuss them but we'll go with the tagline first after Cameron Carter Vickers last night made his uh, World Cup debut for the USA against Iran and what was a tension-filled game rather than a rather than a free-flowing entertaining game um, so Paul this is Paul's question um, so as CCC CCC, as CCV excels on the world stage, is he our finest centre half since Van Dyke? Paddy, over to you. I think so. I think hands down he is. Uh, from what we've seen of him so far, what is it, a season and a third almost we've basically seen from him? I think it's a definite. Um, you know, you, when you consider the other centre halves, you're, you're probably looking at Denier, you know, who played with Van Dyke. Um, maybe guys like Ayer, um, Julian for the nine months that he played for Celtic was pretty good, in my opinion. And then guys like Boyata as well. And I don't think any of them come near Carter Vickers for me. You know, Carter Vickers, 
he does um, you know what I used to do, sort of strides into midfield and gets the play going. He, he, he runs right through the, the, the opposition team to try and get the ball forward. Um, he's just as physical, if not more, than Van Dijk. Um, he scored a few headers. He's, he's quite good in the air. So, for me, he's an absolute unit. And I'm not saying he's better than Van Dijk, but he might be better for Celtic than Van Dijk was for Celtic, um, which is a big claim. I don't know if he'll go on to go be as good as Van Dijk, but he's, he's been an absolute unit for us and you can count in one hand the bad games he's had for Celtic. It's interesting, John, eh? this guy who was brung in only because Christopher Julien was injured. And we've got to remember that. If Julien had was back from injury when he was forecasted to be back from injury, Cameron Carter-Vickers might never have ended up on loan at Celtic. And that's some thought now, eh? Yeah. It just shows you sometimes things work out for the best. Um, So... You know, at the end of the day, uh, I, I mean, I don't think there's much discussion about it. To be fair, uh, other than to uh, to praise the man, because uh, as far as as he finest centre half, I I don't think there's much doubt about that. Um, and you make an excellent point there, Paddy. Um, the timing of it, yes, Van Dijk went on to be a really great player, but when he was playing with us, you know, um, he was a, he was a very good player. Uh, and was it comparable to CCV? Is CCV, are we getting him a better time in his career? Uh, so, you know, that's a very interesting point. I hadn't really considered that one. Uh, yeah, so, uh, but I, in terms of, I mean, I, I just, I, I think he's he's excellent um, and by all accounts strolled that game the other night, um, really stood out um, with USA versus Iran. Uh, so... <coughs> That was uh, as great to see because I, I was starting to think he wasn't going to get a kick of the ball, uh, which would have been desperately unfair. And I don't even know actually whether he got in. Was it injury? Did he get in or was he actually selected on merit? Do either of you guys know? Uh, no idea. No, 100 uh, there, there had been playing Zimmerman. No. Uh-huh. Uh, me being a big Bob Dylan fan, I want us to sign Zimmerman. Just so we have like a Zimmerman <laughs> and, and, and a Celtic side, but they had, uh, Z- Zimmerman had played their last two games and he came on oh. uh, with about nine minutes to go in injury time. <laughs> he's, he's not injured then, but the the, the uh, but I mean Nashville. I, and no disrespect to the MLS, you know, but Nashville. Uh, that's who he plays for. I mean, okay, I'm saying no disrespect to the MLS and following that up with absolute disrespect to the MLS. (laughs) So, right, okay, apologies, just hold my hands up. Disrespect to the MLS. Uh, Yeah, no, he's... uh, uh, I mean, he can't possibly be at the same level as as Carter Vickers. He can't possibly have the same experience. I've no doubt he's a good player, but, you know, do me a favour. He's playing for Nashville, you know, so... um, Well, our new signing comes to Nashville. Uh, he started. Uh, he started at Nashville and went to Montreal. Uh, so, you, so, uh, so, are you going to rewind there, John? Like, no, well, well, uh, well, because well, I, I actually think that I was looking at it this morning. Apparently, the fee is uh, are supposed to be around four million euros for Johnson, uh, which I think, uh, comparatively and especially in light of recent signings, is actually quite expensive. Uh, I mean, JJ was what two and a half million, mm-hmm. which is about three and a half million euros. Uh, so, you know, uh, he's significantly, uh, significantly more expensive than JJ, and he certainly didn't look to be any better than him, uh, based on what I saw the other night. That's pretty much the only game of this World Cup that I've watched because it was battle of the right backs. Um, so, you know, I wanted to see, um, you know, who was going to come out on top in that, and uh, obviously JJ got mugged within the first two minutes on the video that we've been watching all year. You know, uh, I, I hear people saying, oh, you know, he's played some great players with great pace and all the rest of it. Uh, you, you can forgive him for that. And the boy that he was up against, the great, nothing to do with pace. Nothing to do with pace. He lost his man again, you know, and the boy comes right over the top of him uh, and, you know, clear header. So he get mugged straight off. Uh, however, the then goes on to create the second goal. Um, uh, I, I thought Johnson... Um, Actually, in a couple of points, was very late with tackles or, or too slow with tackles, uh, and, and a couple of their goals came because, uh, oh, you know, there was passes getting released and crosses getting released, 
um, that he should have had his foot on, in my opinion. So uh, I, I can see what the I can see what his potential is. You know, he's, he's bigger. He looks more athletic. Um, he, you know, uh, he looks more defensive straight away. Uh, and I think maybe that's just the way they were playing. But you know, I, th- I think four million is, is 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 quite a touch for that guy, to be honest with you. So I, I don't know if that's going to be the right figure or not. But what what did you make of the two of them in, those, in that game? I don't know if you saw it. What, what, what I mean, the first thing I noticed about Johnson Paddy, I think you'll probably maybe I picked up on this as well. Yarad from Celtic Down Under says the next evolution of An- Angie's team will be this long diagonal ball. Uh, that we haven't played an awful lot yet. And the first thing I saw Johnson doing was playing a long diagonal ball to um, Canada's best player, the boy that plays for Bayern. Who, unfortunately for JJ, was up against again. That that seems to have happened. That seems (laughs) to have happened to JJ in all his big, all his big, uh, like, rehearsal moments. No, all, all his big auditions. In the Champions League, you always seem to be up against that team's best player. And it goes to the World Cup and he's up against Canada's best player as well. That was the first thing I noticed. The only, thing I've, the only other thing that I noticed about him was when he got booked in the first game for a rash challenge. Uh, but I'm going to trust Ange, if Ange has seen enough of him. What I would say about the MLS, though, John, eh, I think the MLS is actually improving because of the number of South American and Central American players that are actually going to the MLS now. And I think the league has definitely improved. And I think if you have a look at the American national team party as well, they're very athletic and very, very physical. And if the MLS is anything like that, these guys will get picked up by European sites quite easily. Yeah, they've been really, really unfortunate, actually. I know, I know they've went through with five points, but I think they could have won all three games, uh, the USA. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it was a tense game against Iran. They won one nothing. It was a tense game. I mean, all three were tense. But, you know, Wales were pretty chronic, and it was a ten, penalty with ten minutes to go that held them to a draw. Um, England, there wasn't many clear-cut chances, but I'd definitely say the USA were the better team. Uh, England sort of settled for my draw, for a draw as soon as the game kicked off and then with about 20 minutes to go I think the USA settled for a draw um, so I think USA could have definitely got 9 points out of 9 which is absolutely incredible um, and when you look at their team you know you've got guys like McKenney who I think is at Juventus mm-hmm. uh, Pulisic for Chelsea Carter Vickers obviously there's a lot of quality players there um, the goalkeeper I thought looked really Timo. good He's Me Timo. Aye, we were. Aye, he, he's the one that scored against Wales, isn't he? Mm-hmm. Um, and then the keeper, I think, looks really good as well for Arsenal. Uh, I said on Twitter, I think we should sign him if it's if it's at all possible, because um, he's twenty eight and he isn't getting a game. But aye, great team. Um, and I forgot what your question is now. What did you ask me? <laughs> <laughs> uh, the improving quality of the MLS because oh, as right. underwater cabbage salesman, the MLS have signed the top South American youth targets over the last few seasons. That's one of the things that seems to be less and less. There seems to be players that are now going from Central America and South America to the MLS, then making the move to actual Europe. Eh? So the league seems to be improving in quality. Not that I watch any truthfully, but I just need to go with what these brainy guys at the Athletic say to me for a pound a month. Yeah, no, just, just to be clear, Kev, I was talking from a position of absolute ignorance, so you know, I, I know don't, nothing about it, but I just thought I'd disparage it anyway. Uh, don't so, don't we all, John, don't we all. <laughs> uh, the, the, thing about John, the thing about Johnson Paddy is he's three inches bigger than Juranovic, and we, 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 we're, we're talking as if Juranovic is definitely out the door. This could just be a wee bit of forward planning for Celtic, knowing full well that Juranovic is going to go at one point, maybe during, maybe not in this, this window or this summer. Uh, but Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash internet for details. 
It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct-to-Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. He's a big, tall, he's a tall, he's a tall, he'll be the tallest fullback that we have at the club. And that's one thing that we've, that, that we've always spoke about, that we're very small in certain areas. And he's five foot eleven, so that adds that he looks tall, he looks athletic, he likes a he likes a challenge. It'd be interesting. I would like to know how we managed to scout him, how and Foster, how he came onto Celtic's radar. I'm always I'm always interested in these sort of left field things, eh? And I wonder if this is a Mark Wall production. Yeah, it's entirely possible. Um it, it really has come out of left field because obviously when you're going to sign a footballer, you don't think of Canada as the, the country of choice, but obviously when you see guys like Alfonso Davies and then, as you're saying, the MLS, it's an improving region, it's an improving league. Um, I think he's only 24, I think I'm right in saying that, mm-hmm. only 24. Um, as you're saying there about the diagonal balls, that's obviously something that Andrew's looking at, maybe that's how we came across him. He told uh, Mark Lawwell to look for a fullback that can, that can play a game like that, and that's how we've came across him. Uh, and then sort of validating all his other attributes. Can he defend? Can he go forward with pace? Can he put in a good a good cross and a good cutback? Um and then as you say, you know, Jovanovic isn't out the door yet. You know, there's all these rumours. Um there's rumours in the summer of Leicester for fifteen or twenty million. There's rumours the now of eleven or twelve million that he's definitely going to go or he's going to go in the summer. Um I think it'd be interesting to see us having three first choice right backs. And right back because Ralston's, in my opinion, has been better than Jovanovic this season. Um, Jovanovic, obviously, we've paid money from. He's getting linked to different teams. He, he probably is the, the first choice right back, if you're being honest. And then you bring in a guy for four million euros. As John said, that's a lot of money. So if, if we're forward planning, you know, that's a bit of a headache for the rest of the season. Um, I know we've got, you know, maybe 35 games or so, but it's a lot of juggling. Um, and I, as you say, the so then you go. Is it a, John, is it a headache for the rest of the season? Because it seems to be that what Ange Poster Coglu writes to do is bed guys in. So when somebody comes into a club, is there to get bedded in? Is there to get used to the training the way Ange wants to, wants to play? And he doesn't really get chucked in unless really, really needed. Like last season, staff felt Kyogo and that got thrown right in because there was nothing else there. But you look at Abelgard and you look at his comments on uh, Haskabanovic. They've said, yeah. when, he, when he says about Haskabanovic that he's played more often than he would have liked. Yeah. Just because well, I, it's time I, I, to get bedded in, eh? So yeah. maybe having those three there, that Johnson's not going to be really quoted as a. I, I, but I, I think that was a different situation, Kev. Uh, I, I mean, Haksabanovic and Abelga, uh, I mean, they hadn't been playing, you know, so he didn't want to throw them in, obviously, because they hadn't been playing. I mean, this boy's going to be fresh off a World Cup, um, you know, his first choice for his country. Uh, so we'll have two guys who are first choice for our country and one guy who should be first choice for his country. Um, so, you know, I, I I don't think it's... I think it is definitely would be a headache. Very different from the Kobayashi situation, you know, when you're coming in, he's a young fella, uh, he's, he's not really blooded at this level, uh, he's mm-hmm. got no experience to speak of, he's going to have to be bedded in, bedded in slowly and we try and assess his quality and you know, where he fits in the, the, the pecking order. But, um, you know, I, I definitely... Look, it, it might well be forward planning, but I'm not sure if they were thinking there was going to be a definite offer for uh, for JJ in this window. Uh, I, I suspect there might be. I don't. I, I see that as potentially 
too much forward planning. Uh, now, unless the boy's out of contract, I don't know what the situation is at his club, unless he's out of contract shortly, uh, unless he thought someone would come in and get him after the World Cup, unless they're just, you know, getting the business done to make sure they don't lose the boy uh, because they're certain that JJ will definitely go in the summer and they're just willing to wear his wages for the next, you know, few months. Um, but, you know, they're, they're definitely all excellent choices and, you know... Uh, that would be a hell of a battle. That's that's going to be, uh, that's going to be. Well, talk about tense situations. That's going to be a bit tense if the three of them are uh, trying to find a way. Ange might be rotating through three three fullbacks in a game. So, Paddy, I found it really interesting that he spoke to Iranovic after the game. I found that really quite. And he admitted <laughs> speaking to Iranovic after the game. I, I, I found that really quite. It's part of football that we we would we didn't usually see, eh? That he, he I mean no, maybe he's a wee bit eh, maybe he's a wee bit naive because he couldn't hold his water when the guy when the question was asked in the press conference. Eh? Then then he admits that he was speaking to Josip Juranovic after the game about Celtic. Eh, he seems excited anyway to be coming to the club. Eh? Aye, it does. It does. Um, I mean, as you say, couldn't he hold his water? He was <laughs> brimming with brimming with joy eh, as soon as the reporter asked, and he couldn't stop giggling and. You know, he had his family message him and all, and all that. So, uh, I I think from his perspective, he's he's just wanting the move to go through. Probably, he's not thinking about, you know, is this guy that I'm talking to going to believe in? Is me coming in going to force this guy out? All that sort of stuff. He's probably asking him, going, is this a good club? Is this a good manager? What's the culture like? Are we going to win things? How's the season going? Where do you get decent um, kebabs? Aye. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, I mean, he'll be. I think I think it'll be purely selfish reasons he's doing that, and then obviously, you know, he's a bit he's a bit forthright in the press, I suppose, coming out and revealing that to everyone. But um, right, it's 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 interesting. It certainly looks as if he's going to come in. Um, whether Jovanovic leaves this window, leaves the next summer, or you know, it's some sort of big shock and Jovanovic ends up leaving or something. You know, I think it looks like uh, Johnson's definitely going to be in the door come January, and it's a good point. You're absolutely spot on about bedding people in. You know. Abelgard still hasn't been bedded in. Uh, Yakimakis never really get a look in until January. You know, he sort of mm-hmm. missed that penalty in uh, Livingston at home, and that was a real setback. Um, but then, as you say, there's other ones, Starfield, Kyle, Goabada, absolutely thrown in. Um, so he does yeah, like the best on, on, on that point, just about the Abelgard point, I know we've sort of discussed this before, but I mean, you saw Haxabanovich coming in because, you know, we, we really needed someone. Uh, in that position and he, he did a tremendous job he's obviously a very very talented player but given the state of the midfield and that we lost McGregor and uh, and given how little we've seen of Abogar do you think he's definitely got a future uh, at the club? No no I, I don't think he's got a future at the club I didn't think we'd actually be able to afford to sign him I thought this was some sort of top quality European player that we were getting and it's ended up being, you know, he's a bit slow, he's unfit, he's quite tall, he's a bit wayward with his passing, he can't get in the team. I mean, you thought when McGregor went off in Leipzig, I mean, I was actually in the stadium going, mm-hmm. brilliant, Abelgaard's going to get a run here, we're finally going to see what he's about. And we haven't, you know, we've had to move O'Reilly back and we've had to sort of mix it up uh, with the two tens that we play or the two eights or whatever it is. Um, so, no, I, I, he would have to have some second half of this season for us to sign him, I think, Abelgaard. Mm-hmm. I'll disagree with Beffy. I think he has got a future at Celtic. I think he's the type of player. Um, I think he's the type of profile player that we actually needed in the summer. It just so happens that he hasn't been fit, mainly because he was training himself, didn't have a pre-season. He's came into a highly intensive environment and one where Celtic have played a hell of a lot of games and there's been turnover and there hasn't been much time for him to actually bed in. Uh, he, looked, he didn't look good against Sydney a couple of weeks ago, but then I didn't judge players when they're playing alongside other fringe players because it's just... You, when you put him, If you put him in a midfield alongside Hattati and O'Reilly and he still looked honking, then you would go, well, maybe we've got a wee bit of a problem. Here, right? We've seen him do that, though, Kev. And also, i just go back to the point about Haxabanovic, uh, who came from the same club. You know, so basically, you know, same fitness issues, uh, same bedding issues, uh, and he's been a star player. Everybody's, position, you know. everybody's different, though, John. Eh? Everybody's got a different body. Everybody's got a yeah. different like. He, he, I remember Gary Caldwell telling me about Scott Brown. He says Scott Brown was uh, was a phenomena 
He says he could go away for pre-season. He could go away at the end of the season, come back for pre-season, fitter and what he was at the end of the season. And he hardly done nothing during the summer. It was just some some folks' bodies yeah. are just not naturally like. I'm like that, mate. Yeah, I know. <laughs> totally understand. <laughs> I'm just going to leave that there. I can't. You've actually got this stuck for words. There's so many. There's so many things I want to say, but we'll get took it off there. Carry it, carry it. Brown Warrior, I'm not going to, I can't keep on going back to Brown Warrior, but this was a question that was chucked at us on Twitter as well. Kev, do you think Johnson, uh, Johnson is an upgrade on Juranovic? Sat on, sat on 30 million cash at the bank, why are we not signing him and keeping Juranovic until the summer? Well, we've answered the second part of that question. Yeah. Is he an upgrade on paper? No. And I'm saying that on, but football is not paid on paper. If you're looking at the facts of the matter, Paddy, the thing is, we're possibly signing them to replace the first choice fullback for a club, eh, for a country who got to the final of the not semi finals of the Euros, and they'll probably go quite semi finals of the Euros, the final of the last World Cup, and could probably go quite deep into this World Cup. Can I can so, I pose that question in a slightly different way? Because okay. we, we, so we have covered that, right? Uh, so the, the question someone pointed out there the other day. You know, we're comparing him and Juranovic, we're comparing him and Ralston. But if we are looking to improve in Europe, if we are looking to move forward, if we are looking to upgrade, the one thing we're fairly certain of is if he's an upgrade at all, it is marginal at best. So is he the kind of guy that we thought would be signing if we were looking to do better in Europe next year? Put it that way. In terms of you know, is he slightly better than JJ or slightly worse? He's probably, you know, as, as I say, it's very marginal. But was JJ good enough? Because he wasn't this year, and uh, and Ange didn't think Ralston was good enough. Uh, so we've signed a guy who's basically exactly the same. So how does that help us going forward? I'm going to go back to your Tony Ralston thing there. Ralston was given a contract because he was only right back in the club, and he bought into Ange Postecoglou. He bought massively into Ange Postacoglu. And I'm unfortunate enough to know a couple of Dundee United fans and a couple of St. Johnson fans. And they and they can't actually believe it's the same player. They cannot believe it's a, the same player uh, that was at their clubs. So Tony Ralston, I think, is an anomaly in this whole conversation. Um, as jo- I'm going to agree with you, John, for once. I do not, on paper, it doesn't look like Johnson is what we need to make that step in Europe. But it was pro- if we wanted to make that step in Europe, we would try to be probably try to keep Josip Juranovic, who might go for 10, 15 million pounds. So we need to try and bring in a player to develop to be that level in Europe. And this is where this is where we're always going to go round and have the discussion circles party because mm. we're not going to sell Josip Juranovic for say fifteen million pound. I don't know if we'll get fifteen million, but we're not going to sell Josip Juranovic for fifteen million pound and spend ten million pound on another right back because we can't afford a ten million pound right back wages. And this is where this constantly upgrading model for Celtic falls down because of where we are, Paddy. That's what I think anyway. Yeah, I mean, I'll be totally honest. I have seen 20 minutes of Johnson, so I am very much not the best person to judge him right now. Um, but oh, I mean, he's absolutely you... brilliant, Paddy. Absolutely amazing. He's going to run riot. He's going to run riot. <laughs> He'll be challenging Cancelo at Man City for the best right back in the, the body world. Um, <laughs> no, so, I mean, from what I gather, he seems to be of the same level as Ivanovic from what you two are talking about. I don't know if that's... Is that a, a fair summation? From what I've heard, he seems to be. I'm going to say that Juranovic has got more experience, which would make him the slight, would make him the better player. Would make him the better player. Um, for, from a from a financial point of view, if we spent two and a half and say we bring in twelve, you you then get nine and a half profit, and then you're spending four on a new guy, and then banking five. So from a, from a, a financial perspective you're definitely making an upgrade because you've got more money and you've replaced them with a guy who's the exact same. 
Um, in terms of age, I think Ivanovic is 27, uh, Johnson's 24, and That's you've exactly got time. That's exactly <laughs> so the Ivanovic, I've got to pick up. Ivanovic is maybe, get, maybe a year to get the, to become a better player, then he becomes 28, 29, and you know, with age, with your body, you, you begin to drop off. Um, Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet, but if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash internet for details. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Johnson, 24. Not a lot of room for improvement, but still got a few years ahead of him. We can become a better player. Um, I think working with a better manager, arguably in a better league, um, he can become a better player. Certainly, he'd like to think he'll be playing Champions League football next season. And then, you know, when it comes to the Champions League, We'll need him for the Champions League on what the the seventh the seventh of September. It's currently the thirtieth of November, so mm-hmm. you're you're talking nine ten months um, for us to develop him to get him ready to bed him in and try and make him a better player. By the time we get to the competition in which we want to progress as a football club, because the reality is, um, you know, if we were to stick with Ralston for the 35 games or so we've got left this season, I don't think it makes a massive impact on our squad. I think if we go into the Champions League with Ralston next season, I think it makes an impact. If we go in with, you know, Jovanovic or Johnson, I think it changes it somewhat. You know, as you said, Jovanovic has come up against uh, Mudrick, Vinicius Jr. and Alfonso Davies in the past couple of months and he's struggled. So hopefully we're a more favourable draw and a more well-rounded team um, we can progress and you know from, from an age and from a financial perspective I think Johnston offers that I think so as well John I think you've got three years potential there before players reach their peak similar players reach their peak at 27 so Johnston's now making the step step up to work with a guy who's proved himself at great at developing players and that goes all the way back to his time at Brisbane North when he, when he brought in a couple of unknown journeymen who became the best players ever to play in the, 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 the A-League. Well, seen I watched Celts down under this morning. Eh? Okay. I'll, give them, I'll, I'll give them a wee nod there for that. <laughs> uh, so so there, there, is, there is development there, but I think the major plus point of the Johnson signing is his age. The fact is he's younger than Juranovic. But the minus point is it looks like this other sell high by low. If you know what I mean, experience wise. That's what it looks like from an unintellectual outsider who doesn't care how these things work. Yeah, well, I mean, it's, it's, it's Paddy was saying there, obviously financially it makes a lot of sense because, you know, Look, at the end of the day, if we end up with a guy who's the same quality and we've just banked five million quid, then that's what the player trading model is all about. And as you pointed out, Kevin, we've had a discussion before, you, you can't reset to zero every time you sell a player. You don't mm-hmm. want to be buying, buying someone uh, who is, you know, like one and a half million quid and he's a, he's a total punt and all the rest of it. Once you've sold someone for 12 or 15 million. But you also, there is a limit. There is an upper limit for us because we can't afford those wages. So... You know, this is actually a decent-sized punt for us because four million a guy who's twenty-four. Uh, you know, he's, but that's the kind of model that, that we're looking at because, you know, that is potential. Then, so we have to develop that. We're never going to be able to say, let's say he comes on, uh, uh, you know, uh, in the next couple of years, turns into an absolutely cracking player, first choice cracking player. We sell him for another fifteen million quid. We are never going to be able to buy a fifteen million pound player. You know, so it's it's fairly straightforward in terms of this uh, this model. We have to buy potential, and the risk has always been for us that you know that we've tried to buy potential at the bargain basement level. Aye. but we we need to be buying potential mid level. You know, that's where we need to be. Someone who has potential to be better, but he's not you know the Canadian third choice. 
you know, I mean, he, you know, he's someone who has a better level of potential, who can go more places, we can see more uh, growth from him. Uh, and that's where we need to be. We, you know, uh, we don't really have any choice because we, we, that's not going to change. You know, so I'm, you know, from the point of view is, you know, as I said, is he the kind of signing we'd expect to see uh, if we're going to uh, uh, challenge in Europe uh, next year? No, because he's another guy with potential, uh, and so you're not. It's not an automatic upgrade, but it's the only way that we can mm-hmm. function because we have to make money, we have to be profitable. I mean, we made, uh, you know, we made thirty million what last year in player sales. It was a record year, <clears throat> and it wasn't exactly a bumper profit, you know. So, yeah, that that money's going to have to come from somewhere. So, you know, I mean, we bank five million, we get a guy who's just the same. Michael Nicholson will be overjoyed. And that puts him in, you know, uh, that's put Ange in his good books. So he's more likely to pull the trigger on other things Ange wants. But that's it. I mean, we we need to be buying potential at as high a level as possible. And the choices are, as the stats guys will tell you, you can go and buy some phenomenal 18-year-old, you know, as, you know, all the other big English clubs do, and you can spend 20 million when buying some 18-year-old, um, as has done all around Europe with, with the, the bigger clubs, we are never going to be there. So we can't get that guy. So our potential has to be on a slightly different gradient. Um, and, you know, your, your national team's first choice right back in a World Cup's a fairly good start. So, you know, I'd say we're on the right path. I think, I think we are we on the right path, Paddy. I mean, I, I think... If you look at the ultimate disaster that has been Celtic in Europe over the last ten years, and there have been there have been an ultimate disaster over Europe in the last ten years, and I think the board have sold us short, and I think the thinking of the board has sold us short, and the level one I always put up with this is: can you name the side that we signed Patrick Kamala for? <laughs> I can't. No. <laughs> can, can you name the sign that we we signed bio bio from? No, I couldn't even name the country actually. See that that that's the problem that this board actually had, that they've been trying to pick up these guys from second division Belgian mobs, yeah. and and it's not going to work. It is not going to work. And I understand why there's some people feel that the board rough changes but the model always is the Swiss Ramble had the perfect thing that our model is we bring players in and we sell them on we offer them we, we offer them that platform and that, mm. that that is an unfortunate thing that of playing in Scotland Paddy that is always going to be a stepping stone to somewhere else unless the European borders suddenly change but my biggest bug, bugbear with the board has been signing your bios and your Kamalas with mobs that we've never heard of. We have to up that level. And this is where I feel down, this is where I feel shortchanged in Europe, definitely. That we've never done that. We've always tried we've always trying to be polished polishing turds that always have been turds. And we should be satting the scouts that actually like So how, like, how do you think that's going to be affected, Kev, by uh Mr. Lowell potentially coming back as chairman. That was one of the questions that was asked on Twitter. You know, is that going to the changes that have been made? The different approach from Michael Nicholson. Um, is he going to have to back down? You know, uh, and get back under the, uh, his rock basically as as uh, Mr. Lowell takes charge again and starts implementing Lowell Ball. I'll go back to what uh, I was saying there, Paddy, then we'll come to uh, the spectre of Peter Law, which is hanging over the club. Um, I mean, when you compare the Johnson signing to Kamala and Bayo, I keep on going back to the two, and there's numerous others, Skepovic, we can go, there's loads of them, and uh, Miku, even though he played against Barcelona, um, there's loads of them, absolutely loads of Lassad. I'm going, oh, they're all coming flood, flooding back to me now. <laughs> I'm, I'm, ha- I'm having PTSD flashbacks here. <laughs> uh, there's loads of them, loads of them. Signing Canada's first choice left back, uh, right back, sorry, who's playing at a World Cup, who's also made steady progression in a league which is becoming tougher and tougher as it goes on. Doesn't it sound like it's a massive... It doesn't sound like we've reset it to zero, does it? 
No, no. Um, you know, the, the €4 million Euro price tag is probably the only thing that makes it sound like a bit of a gamble. You know, if you're signing this guy for a million, you think, you know, that's a bit of a steal here. You know, he might be a bit of a failure, but at £1 million, it's not that bad. At £4 million, with Jovanovic gone, it then becomes a gamble because you've then spent £4 million on a guy and you're probably looking to bring in someone else in the summer if he becomes a failure. Um, so only really then does it become a gamble. You know, touching on your point there, you know, just to remind you of a few more, you've got, you know, guys like Puke who did it, he went on to be a success in the, the Premier League for one season for Norwich. Um, Dirk Borichter, uh, that was a personal favourite of mine. <laughs> uh, ph- phenomenal footballer, <laughs> just phenomenal. Um, Amido oh. Baldi, that's another one. The no 2013. Bad, no Bangura. <laughs> the twenty thirteen uh, transfer window. Oh my god! I mean, we sold, we sold Tupper, we sold McCourt, we sold, oh, we sold a few players in twenty thirteen and replaced them with absolute dross, and only really because there was no challenge and we had Chris Common scoring for fun. Did we run away with the league by about thirty one points or something? Um, but uh, it's, it, 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 you've got a certain faith. Um, Maybe not so much with the entire board, but you know Nicholson. We, we've been relatively successful, and we've sort of been progressing ever since Nicholson took charge. Uh, you've got complete faith in Ange and everything he does, really, or at least I do. Um, you know, I think all the signings, all the sort of big signings that definitely has his stamp on them, have been a success. Um, you know, Abelgard, maybe there's a question, but you know, guys like McCarthy who haven't really contributed, definitely not an Ange signing. Um, uh, uh, Osazi and uh, Liam, not Liam Shaw. Uh, Shaw, I Liam Shaw, I you know, not not uh, not so much Ange, Ange signings. Hence why they've not really played. Um, and I feel I, I feel as if it, it's a less of a gamble. You know, with Rodgers, you felt that sort of safety and security, and you felt as if you're definitely going to win things and win games. But when it came to transfers, he was still very hit and miss. Um, I think that was down to Congerton and people like that, but. We Ange, it, it seems to be a you know an 90 percent success rate, um, but you know if if what John's talking about, you know the spectre of Peter Lawwell, um, casts a shadow over the club again, it will be it, it might be all changed. Hopefully not, because I think chairman is I think it's a largely sort of ceremonial position where you don't really wield much influence anymore. But we shall see. Ian Laurie. Uh, you can't say that scouting hasn't uncovered decent players, read your strat line. That is true, but what I would say that our scouting's probably changed since Ange Postacoglu has been there, whereas under Wall Ball, which uh, I've just read that David sees just actually says that, we seem to be using the same agents all the time. We seem to be, there didn't seem to be much. I was like throwing a hedgehog at a dartboard, knowing that you're going to hit a treble 20. If, if you if you threw it somewhere roughly at the top of the board, eh? and it's it's something that needs to be it needs something that needs to be put in place. There has to be a, a and hopefully Matt Wall can actually bring that into place after his dalliance at the the Sheik's club, which is Man City. Right, I'm so, right, we've brought up walls, so Peter and Mark, so I suppose we're going to need to talk to him. The, que- the question was, uh, if I'm actually going to actually find the question on on Twitter. Um, well, the question was basically... Uh, if Peter Wall is for Rebel 86 on Twitter, if Peter Wall was appointed CEO in January, will Axon Media criticise the decision in the press conferences in spite of potential cessation of media access. That comes for a question with somebody that'll never get media access. So it's a very difficult <laughs> so it's very difficult for somebody yeah. somebody to actually answer. But what I would probably say to it before John comes in, I can he's dying to come in. I can John's <laughs> dying to come in. What I would probably say to you, if Peter Wall is announced as Celtic chairman, there will be no fan media in the conference. Hmm. I can yeah. I think I can safely say that. Yeah, well, I mean, first thing is, can I just thank all the people on Twitter that I asked to contribute, and they did, and we got a load of very good questions, which we'll be able to use over the next couple of weeks while there's not, there's nothing on. So if we don't get to them today, we'll get to them in the next couple of weeks. So thanks very much for that, guys. Um, 
Yeah, the, the Lowell one, in terms of the media access, that's, if, for me and you, Kev, that's not a problem. We're quite happy to sit here and torpedo Axel's chances of media access, you know, by saying whatever the hell we want. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, in, in terms of Lowell, uh, you know, chairman is not actually a ceremonial position. Uh, so the, the CEO reports to the chairman, uh, you know, so the, the chairman and the board. Uh, so he has significant power uh, and significant power over uh, the CEO. However, the CEO is day-to-day running. The CEO is a man who's, uh, you know, he's ultimately responsible to them. But, you know, I, I was thinking about incentivization. So um, Mr. Lowell's package before as CEO was based on, his bonus was based on how much money basically we had in the bank and the level of profits at the end of the year. So he was incentivised not to be going out spending money or taking any risks. As chairman, I don't think it matters. Michael Nicholson also strikes me as the, the kind of man, you know, he's very friendly with Mr Lowell, that's for sure. But um, he is uh, also strikes me as the kind of man, especially now that he's got his feet under the table, uh, that uh, will be his own man and go about things in his own way, and he has done so far. I don't think. I mean, I don't think it's a good thing that, uh, that we have directors and non-executive directors um, who are uh, just a, a boys' club. That's not what they're supposed to be there for. We're supposed to have new voices, especially non-exec directors who are supposed to be independent, new voices, uh, and to have guys in there for like ten years or more completely. It, you know, undermines what a corporate structure is, a good corporate structure is supposed to do. So, you know, I I, I completely oppose the way that, that the board is run as, as far as that goes. Uh, but with uh, with Mr Nicholson in there basically uh, accommodating Ange, uh, then that seems to be the way forward. Um, and the reason we had, you know, the issues before under uh, Lowell was because we had no football department. It was the manager and that was it. So, you know, we, the, the guys that we had in for recruitment were brought in, guys like Congerton, who was a clown, you know, knew as much about the, the, the football market as I do. Do you know what I mean? He, he keeps on getting employed, though, John. Yeah, I know. He I keeps mean, on getting employed. Watch the telly and pick people from England and then get a couple of agents on the phone. You know, cushiest number in the world. Knows absolutely nothing. Uh, so, you know, what we've got now is a guy in uh, young uh, Lowell, uh, who knows what he's about. Now, I was trying to find out what the actual corporate structure is the other day, and I you know, came across, I didn't take a note of it, but we actually have appointed um, at least one scout that I wasn't really aware of, um, you know, with a fair degree of experience, a Portuguese guy, as far as I remember. Um, so there are, uh, you know, as we discussed before, we must have a structure in place that postdates Ange, we have to have something there, um, whether, you know, with the chief executive has to appoint a manager who has a similar vision because we're building a football team around that sort of vision. Uh, and we have to have a football department to back that up so that the, the chief executive never again is a man who's trying to make football decisions um, about football players, about which he knows absolutely nothing. Uh, so... You know, again, I, I'm hoping it's not a backward step, but our entire that entire board structure is wrong, uh, and needs to be those people need to be rooted out and gone, and we need to have new execs. We shouldn't have a chairman coming back in that position. Will it make any difference? Uh, I don't know, but it's not right. It's not the right thing to do. Uh, you know, so in my opinion, he shouldn't be coming back. You know, <clears throat> if, if we want a club to take us into, you know, the, the future, we need different voices. We need a different vision. Um, and, you know, again, look, you know, we talk about it uh, all day, quite happily do that. But I, I'm not sure Mr Lowell coming back is going to make that big a difference at this point, although he should not be coming back. Uh, and the other directors, especially the non-execs, should be out. Uh, I think the Celtic, party, I think the Celtic boardroom smells of a mouldy cupboard. Uh, it does, it needs completely revamped but I see people in the comments and there's one thing that we need to talk about they say well since De- Dermot Desmond basically took over the club when he ousted Alan McDonald uh, uh, I was Alan McDonald I, Alan McDonald and all of that in 2000 and 
one was it? I can't remember. Anyway, we've been ulti- we've been ultimately successful uh, domestically. I would I would counter that point, Paddy. We were saying we were always told that we were a Champions League club, and we've never ever been that in the last ten years. We had a bit of success under like Neil Lennon, Gordon Stratton, Martin O'Neill, but. They've never actually really made a dent in the Champions League the way that we should have done, the way that we want. And I think that's a massive, massive failure. And it was down to the way that the club was run. Uh, what I'm going to say is I don't think Peter Lawls ever went away. I think he had a massive hand in Ange Postacoglu walking through that door. And I think if he came back as chairman... I don't want him back as chairman because of what's happened previously and anybody anybody that was around the club when we lost 10 in a row, they're a toxic brand now and that, that, that that's the bottom line. I understand why Dermot Desmond would want to see Peter Wall as chairman of the club eh, because of the influence that he does have on numerous boards all over Europe. But Let's let's be let's let's be let's be frank about this. Ian Bankier has not been a chairman. Peter Law was the de facto chairman when he was a CEO, because every time you look at every other club, when they want a statement, it's a chairman that comes out. When it was us, it was a CEO that went out and actually made the statement. And this is why folk were shouting about. We never hear from Michael Nicholson. No, you should never hear from your CEO anyway. You see, you should never hear from your CEO. It should be the chairman that you're actually hearing from. Do I want Lowell back as chairman? No. Do I think that he's went away? No. That's my long, that's my, sh- that's shortened, shortened what I was trying to say there. <laughs> no, I, I, I totally agree. Um, I think you're right. He had a massive hand in Ange coming to the club. There's all these sort of conflicts that are really quite intertwined because obviously, you know, it is, it is a bit of a boys club. You see, um, oh God, who's the boy with the cream coat? Oh no, uh, board member. Totally gone out of my head. Big Tory donor. Um, God, that's terrible. That's he owns about 3%. <laughs> <laughs> he owns about 3%. Um, What's Tory? Tory Pierre. Obviously, you know, Ian and, Ian and Peter are no doubt pals. Peter and... Dermot are no doubt pals, and then you know we we brought we announced Mark Lawwell over the summer to start in August or whatever it was, and you know on the face of it, a guy. Sorry, Paddy, interrupt. We've never heard from Mark Wall. No, he's never never said anything. Never done a conference. That's what I meant to say. Actually, if if Lawwell was to replace uh, Bankier as chairman, I'm not sure there would even be a press conference. I'm not really. I don't know if Celtic would uh, facilitate something like that because obviously, I mean, the mainstream media are sort of going to ask the typical boring questions, the vision you have for the club, who's really in charge and all that. But then with fan media, obviously, as you say, it would pose a bit of an issue because people would be asking about 10 in a row, about Neil Lennon, and then you're just being dragged back two years when you're actually nine points clear in the league and you've just banked 35 million for Europe um, or 29 or whatever it was. Um, And then you think to yourself, should the chairman really have the son running the football department? And then you think to yourself, well, actually, this guy, this guy who we have as chairman, he's really well experienced. He knows the club. He knows Scottish football. He's got a lot of connections. And then the guy running the football department is also really experienced and well thought of, especially in Man City. So on merit, they both deserve to be there. But the fact that they're father and son, it's, it's all these sort of... I don't know what you want to call it, sort of contradiction. Nepotism. Um, <laughs> well, that's the thing, though. It might be nepotism, but it all, at the same time, it works. And it's hard to it's hard to say whether it is actually on merit or whether it's nepotism because they're both pretty well qualified, but they're father but and son, and they've been they've been around the club for twenty years. So, it's, but both of those things aren't mutually exclusive. It can be both of those things. Aye, aye, you know. Aye. So, and I'd say if, it is if, both of those things. If Mark Lowell's surname was Smith. We would be raving about him. Mm-hmm. Oh if, right. if, that, that, that is true. That and shows that's one you. of the reasons, Kev. That's one of the reasons why he's kept his head down. You know what I mean? Because that the, the name is toxic, and it's starting to wear off a bit now. But certainly for the last year, you know, anyone called Lowell was getting short shrift, weren't they? So mm-hmm. you know, uh, after the ten season, so it, it's calming down a bit now. But I, I imagine that's why he's kept his head down. Um, 
you know, but I mean, look, I hope he is good at his job, but it is a problem, the fact that his dad is, you know, so connected at the club and is potentially the next chairman, because the manager has to be able to trust him, right? So if the manager's talking at the head of the football department, he, I'm sure he wants to be able to trust that man uh, to work with him closely and not necessarily report every single word he says back to the chairman. Poster Coglu worked with Matt Lowell at Yokohama. That's how he knows him. So yeah. there, is a, there is a circle here. There is connections all the yeah. way. And it wouldn't surprise me to see Peter Lowell return to Celtic as chairman the way that we've worked. It wouldn't surprise me whatsoever. And if that announcement came, I'd be like, oh, wow. But I wouldn't be surprised because yeah. it's the way it's the way that we seem to have done business. And I do reckon that De- Dermot Desmond's recent utterance over the last six months has been paving that pathway. I've just spoke more. Has been paving that pathway for Peter Wall to walk up the Celtic Way as chairman. I do believe that, but I also do believe that he's never, never actually went went away either. Either Kulshe, uh, Axel won't give me the access to the hard left. There was a question put on our WhatsApp group, Urban, and it was uh, when Ange Poster Coglu came across, and it says, uh, "Who wants to go to the press conference, and what question would you ask?" And I ruled myself out right away by saying, "I would want to ask him the question: Who would want a fight between a wallaby and a badger? That's what I want to know." And so I would never get near any of the press conferences anyway. I would also ask him what his favourite in excess. Album as as well because that, that's the type of things I want to know. I'm not interested in who's playing left back. <laughs> I want to know stuff like that. <laughs> uh, other questions. Let's let's go. Let's go for another topical one. And I can't I can't find it just now. Uh, somebody was actually saying. Why can't we go back to Umbro? Richard McGinley, who writes the Ethan's Diary. Why can't we go back to Umbro? Kits have been pee poor quality since Adidas have took over. I completely disagree. I remember buying an Umbro kit John Barnes' season that fell apart. I think the Adidas stuff looks actually alright. It's the best. It's a far, far better in New Balance. And I don't know. I think Umbro are actually owned by Adidas now anyway. Or they're owned by somebody. The Umbrella Company. I think that's just a Celtic dahing. That they want definitely, definitely a Celtic Dathan. Uh, can I just say, uh, uh, fighting the corner for uh, uh, men of a certain size, uh, Adidas uh, have a very generous sizing. So, uh, uh, you know, some of these uh, Nike and New Balance and all the rest of it, you know, that was a bit of a struggle. Uh, so I, I'm glad I can, I can still wear some of the kit as it stands. So I'm all for maintaining the relationship with Adidas. Uh, definitely not interested. And get a number back in the game. Are they also just that? We we had some awful kits, did we not? I mean, Paul John's obviously the man to talk about. He's got the thing. I just remember some awful kits with Umbro and especially some of the away ones. But uh, yeah, no expert on that. But uh, no, I I think Adidas is definitely uh, and the quality of the game. You know, I'm happy enough with that. I mean, that's a. I mean, this on here, I mean, that's an actual badge. That's not some stick on the thing. So that's mm-hmm. that's embroidered. Um, so, you know, uh, that, that's decent quality because most of the stuff now is just stick on and it starts coming off as soon as you've washed it a couple of times. You know, Paddy, so, I was, I'm, I'm happy enough where we are. Paddy, I was over the moon that they brought out an Adidas Classic range. That was what I was waiting on. I was waiting on the trefoil badge. And then I was going to go into the Adidas thing. You being a young lad, as you already say, is right at the start of this bulletin. <laughs> What's your thoughts? <laughs> um, uh, I, I, I've quite, I quite like uh, Adidas. Um, uh, just to reiterate, there, you know, I don't remember. I'm, bro, I'm far too young, but. Uh, oh. uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I barely, I barely remember Nike. <laughs> um, uh, no, it's just been New Balance and Adidas for me, mainly New Balance. But um, I, I wasn't that big a fan of the New Balance stuff, to be honest. I'm, I'm quite, no. I'm quite a big fan of the. Is it the two or the three Adidas ones? I think it's three with Adidas. Mm-hmm. Um, three yeah. years. So I've been wasn't that big a fan of last year's top, but obviously when you win a league and you win, you have a successful season. You look at it more fondly. I quite like this season's top. Uh, I quite like the top that we played 
the lockdown season with, although I, I can't look at it without nah. having PTSD, like you said. <laughs> I mean, I just get flashbacks to like nothing each draws with Livingston in January and all that. And just, oh, oh my God. I, I noticed yeah. when I, I was in Livingston, shot him the other week there, and I noticed it was in JDs for like, I think it was 12 quid, and I still couldn't even force myself <laughs> to buy the way in it. I'm like, no, I'm still not buying that. <laughs> that That's cursed. Totally yeah. cursed. Um, yeah. I, I'll, I'll go with Adidas. Um, Umbro, Umbro do do some nice stuff, right enough, so maybe it'd be better nowadays, but I, I'm quite happy with Adidas until, you know, whenever the contract runs out, 2025 or whatever. Yeah. Aye, right. That's us. An hour and one minute. Thanks for all the likes. If you have no like, please like. Rory McDonald does bring up a very decent point. You don't buy strips, Kev. No, I didn't, but I look at them every day in my life. So I have to have a comment on them because I see them all the time. And my wings, they actually wear them as well. So I do have I do have a interest in these type of things. Paddy, John, it's been absolutely brilliant to have you. So we hardly answered any of the questions. So that leaves us mere for next week. And uh, oh the, the infamous bus question has to get asked next week because oh, yes. there's, been a, there's been a couple of people in the comments asking when yeah. he's in, when he's discussing the bus. So <laughs> we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll discuss that next week. Thanks everybody for tuning in and remember, Dinny be bams to each other. Hail, hail. and data rates may apply. Guys, got hair loss? I know what you're thinking. Should I shave my head, comb it over, wear a hat? Just stop. This is in 1970. Keep your hair and your confidence because Bosley, America's number one hair restoration experts, can give you your real hair back permanently. Check them out today because they're giving away an absolutely free information kit and a free gift card to anyone that texts EASY to 203203. Dude, you don't have to look like your dad because this isn't your dad's hair loss treatment. People all over the country trust Bosley because they're ahead of the curve. They use the latest technology to give you your real hair back. And the best part? Bosley's permanent solution is protected by the Bosley Guarantee. Let Bosley show you for free how awesome your hair could look with an absolutely free information kit and a gift card for $250 off. Text EASY to 203203. That's B-A-S-Y to 203203. Mobile phone companies say they offer for home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of Ookla speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details. Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 Network.